Uh, Lord, thank you so much that you have demonstrated your greatness in creation. Uh, you've demonstrated your uh, greatness in the love that you've shown to us through your Son. You've uh, demonstrated uh, your greatness and your perfection, and we worship you uh, this morning. Uh, God, thanks so much for being a perfect parent uh, to us on this day that we celebrate moms. Uh, we acknowledge you first and foremost uh, as, as a perfect father to us, uh, who has not only given us an example uh, to follow, but you are the ultimate substitute uh, for when we feel like we don't measure up or when we, uh, we fail. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for the hope and life that is ours in your son, Jesus. Uh, God, we love you this morning. We thank you uh, for loving us first. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Uh, you may have a seat. Good morning, Christ Point. It's good to see you. I want to say happy Mother's Day to uh, our moms. I know this day brings up all sorts of emotions for uh, so many of us. Maybe you are here this morning and you are rejoicing. Uh, you are a mom. Uh, you love being a mom. Uh, you had a great mom. And so on a day like this, you get uh, to celebrate and give God thanks. Uh, I also recognize that there are others this morning uh, where you are not rejoicing, uh, but you are grieving. And uh, this day is a difficult uh, day for you. Uh, you wish things played out a little differently uh, in your home or maybe in the home uh, that you grew up in. And so I recognize that there are some this morning who are celebrating and there are others who are lamenting. Uh, there are some who are grateful uh, that you are a mom and there are others uh, who long to be a mom. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you are celebrating uh, your mom or you're uh, rejoicing for the impact that your mom had on your life or in your life or maybe uh, you are here this morning uh, wishing things uh, were a little different. I don't know uh, where God has you uh, this morning, uh, but I want to welcome you. Uh, I'm glad uh, that you are here. Uh, I pray this morning that we serve a perfect parent. We serve a perfect parent. There is only one, and so if you are here uh, this morning and uh, you wish that you had a perfect record, uh, I just want you to know that you are amongst friends. Uh, there's only one perfect parent, and uh, we've gathered to celebrate primarily him uh, this morning and give him uh, thanks. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, as we uh, cross the finish line on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this was a message that Jesus delivered to a gathered crowd. Uh, he is painting a picture for life in the kingdom. What does it look like to follow God? Uh, in a fallen and a broken world. Uh, he is painting a picture. He, meaning Jesus, is painting a picture for you uh, and for me. Uh, he's stepping on some toes at times. At other times, Jesus is giving a hope in life as he speaks to the crowd uh, that day. But he uh, ends this message with these words found in Matthew chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these words, uh, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. A popular uh, magazine wrote a number of years ago the best 25 pieces of advice a mom can give. I'm not going to read to you all of them this morning, but there are a number of them that caught my eye. I don't know if you can recall advice that your mom gave to you uh, when you were growing up or even advice that she's giving to you now as an adult, uh, but these apparently are uh, the top 25 or at least a few of them. Uh, number one, don't take a bath when there's a thunderstorm. Have you ever been heard, heard that one before? Uh, number two, I think this is probably moms of boys, tell their boys always wear clean underwear. That's right. I heard you. Uh, for those of us who lived in the north, don't eat yellow snow. Thank you. Uh, mind your manners. Uh, moms apparently say men are all the same. They just have different faces. It's not funny. Unbelievable. Show me who your friends are, and that is who you are. It's wise advice. Marry the richest man you can stand. <laughs> That's not good advice. Come on. Uh, soap is cheap. There's no excuse for being dirty. Uh, money may not buy happiness, but it sure does help. Always pick uh, your own battles, and something that I heard uh, many times growing up, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. I suspect that your mother gave you all sorts of good advice uh, when you were growing up. It took me a while to realize, but one of the things that I finally came around to is that mom was not simply giving advice, uh, she actually wanted me to follow it. Like, she, <laughs> it's weird, it's strange, I know. Uh, mom would say, hey, you should do this or not do that. And there was an expectation that I would actually do what she highly recommended uh, that I do. You know, that Jesus uh, is no different. When Jesus uh, gave word uh, to the crowd, uh, he wanted them uh, to actually do it. Uh, he, he wasn't simply offering uh, a few tidbits for life. He wanted us to follow and obey uh, his commands. He was a voice of authority. Not a authority or an authority, but the authority. He wasn't one of many teachers. He was the teacher. His words were not just good words. They were God-given words. He wasn't simply offering a spin on life or his perspective, or the way that I see it, he was telling his followers, I, I, wa I want you to live like this. I want you to do these things uh, that I command. I love what one author said when he wrote, Jesus did not preach the Sermon on the Mount 
to be admired for his homiletical skill. He preached to be obeyed. Jesus did not preach the Sermon on the Mount to be admired for his homiletical skill. Uh, He preached to be obeyed. It says in verse uh, 28 of Matthew chapter 7, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Uh, For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. People were amazed when they heard the teachings of Jesus. It literally means that they were uh, blown away, they were astonished, and they left with a feeling deep in the core of their being that they had heard something that was unique or different from what everyone else was saying or teaching at the time. Do you ever have an experience before where you hear a teacher or a pastor or a preacher and you walk away and you say things like, boy, he was a great communicator. I've done that before as someone who attempts to do this for a living. I've walked away before and thought, well, he's, he's a great communicator or he, he is an amazing storyteller. I've heard people preach and teach before and thought to myself, that guy is smart. <laughs> he, he did not fall off the dummy tree, right? Uh, I've heard people before and gone, man, that guy is funny. Right? He, he is winsome. He, he had the audience eating out of the palm of his hand. He was so engaging. I was captivated by what he said. When Jesus preached and teach, people didn't primarily walk away and think to themselves, he is a great communicator. They thought, that man preaches and teaches with authority. In other words, I believe the crowds heard the teaching and preaching of Jesus, and there, there was a weight uh, to his words. When he opened up his mouth and his voice traveled on the mount that day, Uh, people walked away and were astonished. Maybe they walked away and said, I don't understand everything that he just said, but that was different. I believe that this is how we we come uh, to uh, the word of God. We, we, We come and we go like, whoa. That's different. Jesus finished saying these things. The crowds were astonished at his teaching. For uh, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The Sermon on the Mount is not simply acute or practical or a relevant talk by Jesus. It's a game changer. It is life changing. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote that Jesus spoke royally. The truth itself was its own argument and demonstration. Jesus taught prophetically as one inspired from above. Men felt that he spoke after the manner of one sent of God. It was no fault on their part to be astonished, but it was a grave crime to be astonished and nothing more. I love that last line. It was no fault on their part to be astonished, but it was a grave crime to be astonished 
and nothing more. I have a dear friend that often uh, times would say that as a people, we are easily inspired, but we are not easily changed. It's so easy for us to hear something and go, oh, that's, that's good. Boy, that was good. Wasn't that good? But for whatever we heard that was good, not to change us. And, and Jesus taught and he preached in such a way that we as a people w- would be changed, w- would be different. Jesus is making this comparison at the end of the Sermon on the Mount of a wise person and a foolish person. And he's saying that the wise person hears and does the word of God. The foolish man or woman hears the words of God and does not do them. Let me read the text again. Look at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. One builds on uh, the rock and another builds on the sand. Both experience the rain Uh, Both experience rising floodwaters. Both experience uh, the harsh winds. One fell and the other did not. Why? Why why does one crumble and why does one uh, stand? Well, the the text tells us because of the foundation uh, that it was built upon. One is built on the rock and one is built on the sand. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity before uh, to go to the beach with your family uh, and, and maybe build a sandcastle. I don't know if you've done this before. I love the beach. I love going to the beach. Personally, I'm not a sandcastle guy. Right? The, the tide goes out, and I'm like, okay, we have a window. The sand is compact. It's flat, and it's like grab the very small bucket and hike to the water, put some water in it and a little bit of sand, mix it up hike what seems another half mile back to where you're building the sandcastle, dump said bucket over, and repeat the process for hours. Right After you've done, you have a sandcastle that's, let's face it, it's crummy. It's not that good, but you've, you've put all of this effort into building it. And at the end of the day, you're like, look at, look at what we've done. And then you blink, and the tide comes back in, and wipes out your little sandcastle. Seems like a waste of time to me. Time could be better spent doing other things like relaxing, sitting there, or doing nothing. I would prefer that. That's just me. Maybe you like building sandcastles. But the thing about building houses on sand is they don't last. The tide comes in, and it's gone. Jesus is painting a picture, he's giving a metaphor for what does it look like to to build on a firm foundation and what does it look like to build on a foundation of sand. Notice that Jesus tells the crowd both homes face the same adverse conditions. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. That's verse 25. That's the house on the rock. 
In the house on the sand, it says in verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. Rain, floods, high winds. This is true metaphorically in life. I don't care who you are, where are you from, weather comes. Like the weather. Like meaning life doesn't always work the way that you want it to. Like you, you face hardship and difficulty. Rain, floodwaters, high winds, all of us experience bad weather in life. But that's not uh, what Jesus is primarily referring to here. He, he's using this picture of uh, rain and floodwaters and wind to, to paint a picture of what happens uh, at the end of life, the end of our days, when all is said and done. I think of Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 19 through 20. Uh, it reads, look, a storm from the Lord. Wrath has gone out, a whirling storm. It will whirl about the heads of the wicked. The Lord's anger will not turn away until he has completely fulfilled the purposes of his heart. In time to come, you will understand it clearly. Um, this is not a popular Mother's Day passage. Recognize it. But scripture paints this picture that at the end of time, like things like face weather from the Lord and things are exposed or seen. And the, the things that will last are things that are built on a firm foundation and things that, that won't last are things that are built on the sand. Which, I mean, the, the question then becomes, what is the foundation you are building your life upon? What's the foundation that you're building uh, your life upon? If you're a student, is your foundation academics? Is it where you attend university or college? Is, is your foundation work? Like what you're going to do for a living, what you're going to give yourself to, how you're going to spend your energy for the rest of your days? Is your foundation your bank account or your retirement account? Is your foundation public opinion, what other people think about you, how people perceive you? Uh, what is the foundation uh, that you are building upon? What do you spend your time thinking about, pursuing, or chasing after? Certainly it can be said that Christ uh, should be our firm foundation. He is our firm foundation. Isaiah 33, 6, he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Jesus is our sure uh, foundation. But what's interesting about this passage, while that's true, while Jesus is the chief cornerstone, while Jesus is our sure foundation, Jesus is using this illustration not primarily to ask us what foundation you're building upon? It's a good question. We should ask it. We should wrestle through it. But, but he's using this illustration or this metaphor of building on a sure foundation or building on a rock to compare the person who hears and does the word of God to the person who hears and does not do uh, the word of God. Who is the wise person. The wise person, according to verse 24, is the one who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who was foolish? 
The foolish one is everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. They will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus is painting a picture of the wise man or woman or a wise or foolish man or the foolish woman. And he's telling the crowd, are you wise or are you being foolish? Are you wise or are you being foolish? Are you simply one who hears the word or are you one who who does the word? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. We're going to be in James starting next week. It's such a great book. It's not, not me. I didn't write it. Different guy. James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately uh, forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When Jesus calls and commands us to obey, he really wants us to obey. Like when he, when he tells us to, to do something, to live this way, like he wants us to live this way. Like in the Sermon on the Mount, in these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when Jesus paints a picture for the Christian life and says, this is what it looks like um, to follow after me, Jesus. Like I really believe that he wants the crowd to do what he asks them to do. Like when the crowd gathers and he says to them, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, like you, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Like when Jesus says that, when he says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven, I think that Jesus actually wants other people to see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. He wants us to live that way. When he tells the crowd, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before uh, the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. When Jesus says that, when he looks at the crowd and he says to them, listen, some of you, you have issues with your brothers and your sisters. You talk about them or you talk around them, but you don't talk to them. I think he actually wants us to go talk to them. Like, I think he wants us to go, like, stop just playing church and take care of business. Go have a conversation. When Jesus says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. I really think what Jesus means by this is that we should love our, our enemies and we should pray for those who persecute us. I think Jesus wants us to do that. When Jesus speaks to the crowd and says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal.
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like, I think Jesus is really serious about laying up treasure in heaven. I think Jesus is looking at us and going, like, what are you investing? What are you giving yourself to? What are you dreaming about? Don't don't invest in stuff here. It's not going to last. I think Jesus really means that. When he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think Jesus actually wants us to not be anxious. I think he wants us to live in faith and trust. And I told some friends this week, I feel like God's just been just like wrecking me the last particularly the, the last couple weeks. Because I just, like, I really think that God wants us to do what he says. And I, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous enough with theology and with my Bible background and my college and seminary degree that it's, like, super easy for me to explain things and to couch things and to context things and to go, well, I mean, I read this and I go like, well, you can't do that perfectly. No, you, you can't. Or I read that and I go, well, James, it's not about what you do. It's about what God does for you. And I go, yeah, that's true. I've said that. The Christian life isn't a to-do list. It's, it's an already been done list. Jesus has done it. All of those things are true. All of them are. And I'll preach those things all the live long day. Uh, And, like when Jesus tells us something, I think he really wants us to do it. Like he wants us to obey. (laughs) he's, He's stepping on toes. He's stepping on our toes. And he's painting a picture for the Christian life and going, live, live this way. Really live this way. Not, it's, not to, it's not to earn something that is not already ours. Right? I, listen, like some, of you, some of you moms come today and, and you, I'm not a mother. I never will be. But I mean, I've read about mom guilt. Like you, you feel I, sh- I wish I was more. I, I should be more. All, all that other stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like heaping a weight upon upon you, and and running on some spiritual treadmill all of your days. I'm I'm not. I'm not suggesting that. And I think God wants us to do his word. I think he wants us to do it when it's hard. I think he wants us to do it when it's difficult. I think he wants us to do it even when we can't do it perfectly. I think he wants us to come to our, our, his word and just say to him, Lord, here I am. You speak. 
God, I'm, I'm listening to you. I think we should come to his word and ask questions. Lord, what does this teach about you? Like, reveal yourself to me. I want to see you for who you are. I think we should come to his word and say, God, expose my heart. Show me who I am. And I think we should come to his word and, and say, God, if, the, if, if I read something today and you, you ask me, you, you, com, you command me, to move or to go, to do something, God, give me the courage to do it. Like, help me. I, I think God delights in hearing those kinds of prayers. This, this is an invitation to, to wisdom. Like you you want to you live a good life? Just go to the Word and say, God, here I am. I'm listening. And then ask God, beg God to help you move and act. Don't just be hearers of the Word. And so deceive yourselves. Uh, be doers. I have, I have no idea, literally no idea, how God is calling you to move or to act. I, I read something in this, and it's like a two-by-four. And you may read it and go like, I'm good there. Or you may read something else and it feels like Jesus is sitting next to you going, you going to do something about that? And others of you may go like I'm, like, I'm good. I don't know where God has you uh, today. Um, but but I, I just, I want us to be a people who hear and do the word. And, and we need help. Do, I need help doing that. And so I want to I wanna ask God for help. Okay. Would you pray with me? God, it's hard to, to walk through the, the Sermon on the Mount, the words that Jesus spoke, and to not be challenged. To, to not hear something and um, to, to experience pushback or to, to feel like our toes are being stepped on or to feel like we're being called out. But your word does that. You, you love us uh, right where we are, and you love us uh, too much to let us stay there. And so you want to see Christ formed in your kids. And so I pray that you just would give us the hearts to have that sort of posture that just simply says, here I am, I'm listening, speak. And then has the courage when you speak to actually move. Help me and help us uh, to do that. Jesus, I give you thanks that you are a sure uh, foundation for us. We build our lives on you, have faith in you, and 
waves come and, and the wind blows against uh, the house and the waters rise. And, and we stand, uh, not because of our own strength or ability, but simply because of Jesus. And so we give you thanks today. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. Thanks for the hope and the life and the joy that is ours in Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.